0: Okay, so here's the very latest news as it relates to coaches. Expect Mitch Love, uh, now ex of the Calgary Wranglers, uh, two-time coach of the year in the American Hockey League, to sign with uh, the Washington Capitals and um, uh, assume assistant coach responsibilities uh, alongside Spencer Carbury, who is the head coach of the Washington Capitals. But and we'll get into more of this with Elliot Friedman here in a couple of moments, who, by the way, is in New York City for the Board of Governors, and there's a lot to chew on there. Whether it's the Ottawa Senators sale, whether it's the situation with Larry Tannenbaum uh, divesting some of his interest in the in MLS and E, uh, which is valued at eight B, that is a large number. Uh, we'll get into all of that with Elliot. But as it relates to coaches, and we'll talk about Mitch Love, and we'll talk about other things with Elliot coming up in a couple of seconds. As it relates to coaches, uh, Todd Nelson is going to be a hot commodity, but I kind of feel bad for Todd Nelson. Now, Todd Nelson, uh, last night head coach of the Hershey Bears, uh, Game 7, AHL, Calder Cup Final. Uh, They go down 2-0, and Connor McMichael scores. Um, Hendrix Lapierre scores, ties things up. Uh, Mike Vecchione scores in overtime. He is the Game 7 overtime hero and the Hershey Bears win their 12th Calder Cup. That is the second Calder Cup, by the way, for Todd Nelson. And why do I feel a little bit bad for Todd Nelson? I always feel bad for AHL coaches around this time of year that take their teams on deep runs. Now, I know you can still talk to NHL teams about jobs, but it's not the same as going through a formal, in a formal interview process. And if you're someone like Todd Nelson, who's now a two-time Calder Cup champion here and should be a much sought-after coach... On the one hand, it's got to be encouraging that you're watching your team win. On the other hand, discouraging that you're still coaching and the music is winding down and everybody's grabbing chairs as either head coaches or assistant coaches in the National Hockey League. Um, Mike Vecchioni. Oh, by the way, Matt Marchese you aboard? You with me here today?
1: I I am aboard.
0: Okay, so I want to talk about uh, the American Hockey League here before uh, before Elliot comes on. So. Game seven, overtime. Like, is this not what you dream about as a kid? Game seven, OT, championship on the line. Uh, it's only happened uh, a couple of times in the National Hockey League, both in the 50s, both at the uh, the old Olympia, both involving the Detroit Red Wings. Um, and it's happened a couple of times in the American Hockey League as well. The most recent um, was with the Cleveland Barons, okay, 1953 they beat the Pittsburgh Hornets, who at the time were the AHL affiliate um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. King Clancy was the coach. Um, and what I love about there's a few things I love about that specific game. Uh, one, it was going into it goes into overtime at zero zero. Okay, game seven, Pittsburgh Hornets and the Cleveland Barons, legendary AHL team, go into overtime game seven all tied up at zeros. And a gentleman by the name of Bob Crystal, who I'll talk about here in a couple of moments, Winnipeg-born defenseman uh, in the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, scores the overtime winner. And he scored the overtime winner, Matty, on a goal that I've always wondered about and I've talked about, I think, numerous times, certainly here on the podcast, on other podcasts or radio shows that I've done. He scored it in a way that I still can't figure out in my mind why more players don't try to do the exact same thing. Do you know how we scored the overtime winner in 1953? No, but yes, now these I'm are curious. dog days, by the way. We're talking, about, we're, talking, we're talking about Calder Cups from 1953 involving Cleveland and Pittsburgh. But uh, welcome to dog days of the NHL season. It was a dump-in. But it wasn't like one of those dump-ins that goes off the stanchion as the goaltender goes behind the net to try to stop it. No, no, no. It's not one of those. It's a flip into the zone. Bob Crystal mm. was great at that. And there are a lot of players. Listen, Jim Dory's nickname uh, was Flipper because that was what he was able to do uh, as an as an NHL defenseman. He's flipped the puck out of the zone. We think of JC Trombley as well. Uh, but Bob Crystal flipped the puck towards the Pittsburgh net and went to skate off on a line change. The puck bounced in front of the goaltender. Took a weird bounce. Maybe it hit a rut. I don't know. The dumpins kind of become legendary around the AHL. And it went in. He scored a game seven overtime goal (laughs) on a dump-in high flip. I've always wondered it, because if you ask goaltenders where the puck is going on a high flip, they'll tell you, no idea. You kind of have to play it like a short hop if you're a shortstop or a third baseman, first baseman, whatever. But I've always wondered why more teams don't use that as a tactic. Dump it in and have it bounce, I don't know, just a little bit more shallower towards the net than the hash marks. Anyway, Bob Crystal, by the way, this sounds like Random Player of the Day, I know, Uh, but we lost Bob only a couple of months ago at the age of, I think, 89. 89. Uh, he passed away January 27th of, uh, of, of this year. So any chance I get to mention uh, someone from the olden days. And Mike Fecchione scores for Hershey yesterday, and some of us uh, think about Bob Crystal from Manitoba. I have a quick thought on the, uh, the coaching carousel going on right now. I'm going to get to Elliot here in a second. Mitch Love now with Washington, and Todd Nelson very much out there.
1: Yeah, and we we kind of talked about it. Like it, it's funny because you know I feel like in previous years, AHL head coaches who have gone far have actually had opportunities to interview for head coaching jobs, just because there have been more, I guess, available later on in the summer, and I feel like that's been an advantage. Mm. But now it's like everybody's everybody's got a chair, and now you're waiting. Okay, do I do I take on a head coaching job? or do I stay with as a head coach in the AHL, or do I move up to the NHL as an assistant coach? And for some guys, that is a little bit harder to do. The other thing that's really interesting mm-hmm. is, you know, Todd Nelson adds a Calder Cup to his resume, but there's no head coaching job. Yep, if second. he decides to stay in the AHL, do people kind of forget that he just won a Calder Cup Like as the season turns into to next year? and And that's the part that I wonder, because every year there's always the hot new coaching mm. candidate. And do people forget sometimes? And I think that sometimes people do, especially in NHL front offices. It is a lot of uh, the, what have you done for me lately?
0: Huh, interesting. All right, uh, we'll bracket that conversation. Lots to get to on today's show. We'll talk about the, uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Carolyn Roulette drops by at the bottom of the hour. Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey now in the situation with the Boston Bruins. Is Bergeron coming back? Is Krejci coming back as well? But in the meantime, quick break here when we come back. Elliot Friedman after this snappy intro. This is the Jeff Merrick
2: Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Very important, Elliot Friedman, to get the branding in. Always told, get the branding in. Make sure you have the mm-hmm. stamp on it. Get the branding in there. How are you doing today in New York City, Fridge? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, I'm doing good. So um, uh, a number of things to get to here today. And mentioned Todd Nelson off the top. Uh, congratulations to the to the Hershey Bears. They claim their their 12th World yep. Cup championship. It is the oldest team in the American Hockey League. And like you, I have a strong affinity for that Uh, for that league, headed up now by Scott Housen. Um, But before there, um, just before I went to air, I put out there that Mitch Love is expected to sign with the Washington Capitals. And, man, did I hear it from Calgary Flames fans. This is not a very popular (laughs) decision uh, in Calgary. became pretty obvious to me quickly. Just how much Flames fans, and for good reason, I mean, back-to-back Coach of the Year in the American Hockey League, um, Mm -hmm. Calgary American Hockey League affiliate, how much they loved Mitch Love in Calgary.
2: Yeah, he sounds like a pretty interesting and popular guy. Um, He did a really good job with a lot of their young players. They had a great regular season. Um, You know, Pelche seems to be heading in the right way. Poirier took a good step this year. Uh, I know there's some real hope in Zari. I don't know how much credit he gets for Dustin Wolf, but kid's a hell of a goalie, it looks Mm -hmm. like. So um, I'm not surprised. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think someone gets to the – in that organization, and we talked about this, ultimately you have to uh, either promote a person or let them move on. And they gave Ryan Huska a head coaching job, not that he was undeserving, and there you, mm-hmm. and then you move And then Love says, okay, there's not much else for me to do here. So they're giving him a chance somewhere else.
0: Uh, bonus there for the Washington Capitals. Uh, I, I want to uh, get the I wouldn't, a I wouldn't be
2: surprised here, but... if Jeff Calgary, when it comes to their assistant coaching, uh, you know, yep. Kale McLean and, and Dan Lambert are among the top potential people yep. there.
0: Uh, I can see that, um, absolutely. And there's um, a couple of, hang on, let me. There's a, a couple of names that I was texted to pay attention to, um, either Brent Kissio or Dennis Williams, maybe as um, uh, as, as replacements for Mitch Love, uh, as the American Hockey League Calgary Wranglers head coach. So we'll see <laughs> what happens there. Um, that is, as we say, an ongoing story. Um, meanwhile, where you are right now is an ongoing story, and that is the NHL Board of Governors. I want to get to the Calder Cup here in a second, but
1: you want
2: to do Do you want to do a bit more flames? Because, you know, there was obviously some news that was getting tweeted in the There's last some- few minutes, and, and uh, you know, we talked about it sure. a bit on the pod. Um, just on Lindholm, like, as we sit on the pod, they are waiting for Lindholm's decision. And Lindholm's decision is the linchpin to a lot of this. We already know that Hannafin has indicated uh, he's not going to re-sign. And I think that the decision uh, uh, from Lindholm is going to um, really determine a lot of where Calgary is going here. Um, You know, I I believe that I've said many times, I think that the number to keep him is going to be in the Horvat range, 8 times 8.5. Same agency, so it makes a lot of sense. I think that Lindholm wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be a rebuild. I think he was understanding that some of the young kids were going to have to play, but you know he didn't want to rebuild. But uh, but he still hadn't decided. And um, you know I I think until the Flames get that decision, I think it's I, I don't think we know which way they're going to go. And. Um, I had heard they weren't pressuring him. They didn't necessarily need it before the draft, but whenever Lindholm uh, makes his choice, I think that's going to determine a lot of what happens in in Calgary. So They wait on that, but I think they know to keep him it's going to be in the Horvat range.
0: Um, Like we mentioned on the podcast the other day as well, uh, you mentioned that Lindholm is the linchpin. Is it... uh... I don't want to say it's you know open for sale if Lindholm decides that he's not going to re-sign with the Calgary Flames, but I think probably you look at maybe Michael Backlund or Tyler Toffoli or Chris Tanev, maybe Elliott in a different way if Lindholm has indicated he's not coming back.
2: Yes, I think that's true. I, I, I think that's definitely uh, the possibility. I think, you know, with Toffoli, I, I think it's... Um, uh, <coughs> I, I think that the the biggest question there will be the term, but I think it, it's easier uh, it's easier for the flames to think about doing it if Lindholm is still there. I think if you know if he's not there, I it, I, I think there's a possibility it changes their philosophy, and so I, I think mm-hmm. that could, could potentially be the case with Zadorov or a Tanov as well. So like I said, I think that. Uh, as I said the other day, I think Lindholm is the linchpin of this, and the Flames are waiting for him to make a decision. And uh, you know, I I I think that's just where we are. What is Lindholm's choice going to be?
0: I'll tell you what, if he says that he's not going to come back or decides not to come back and Craig Conroy takes, uh, goes to market, there's a te- there are a lot of teams uh, that will pay for someone like Lindholm and I think a lot of us. Uh, listen. I, anytime a center becomes available, you're going to think about the Boston Bruins. But you know, you go back to that New Jersey draft, and Boston, you know, was trying desperately to get in and and get a pick right in that area where Carolina ended up taking Lin home because of how much they thought about the uh, uh, thought of him. Now it's. This is is years gone by, and we've talked about teams that have had interest in players previous, and that goes away sometimes when personnel changes. But, you know, once upon a time, the Boston Bruins were hot on Lindholm, uh, and that could make a lot of sense, but that's getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, Mm -hmm. Board of Governors, New York City, uh, I would imagine the Ottawa sale is a topic of at least discussion um, but I'm I'm curious about your thoughts about the news from Sportico yesterday about Larry Tannenbaum and divesting part of his interest in MLSE, which is now valued uh, in the neighborhood of eight billion dollars. You have a thought on this one since the news broke?
2: Well, first first of all, uh Mike Anlauer is not here, so I don't think we're getting any Ottawa finality today. Um you know, Anlauer is who even before he buys the senators, of course, is a Minority owner of the Montreal Canadiens. He's not at this meeting. And, you know, I will say this, that's rare. He's usually at almost all of them. So it just shows that they're still going through the process and, and he won't be here today. Uh, Larry Tannenbaum, I also understand, is not here. I believe he's somewhere else, uh, traveling or something. Um, I, you know, I don't have my home beacon on him, so I don't know exactly where, but I was told he <laughs> he, he isn't here. Um you know, I, I think that's an interesting story, and the reason is um, I, I don't have it confirmed yet, but I think he sold. But like he has 25% of the team, and you know, Bell and uh, Rogers have 37.5% each, so it's 75-25. I, Jeff, I think he sold a pretty sizable portion of the share. Um, you know, he's, uh, and uh, I think that. He's still going to maintain his position, um, and but I think he sold a lot of it. And uh, I've sent a couple of notes. I haven't gotten confirmation of the exact percentage, and I don't know that I will. But I've been told it was significant. And um, you know, I think one of the things here is that you know uh, he's still a very formidable person, um, but he's approaching 80. I think he's 78. And I think that's one of the things that um, is is going to be at uh, it's one of the factors in all of this. I think uh, there's kind of an under. I don't know exactly what the terms of his ownership agreement are with the, with the two telecoms and everything, but I think the fact that um, you know he's that age is a factor in all of this. And um, you know I think it's going to be interesting because. Um, you know, the other thing we don't know is if this is being approved today and that's obviously something I'm going to be asking the commissioner later, or it, like, is this somewhere that's far down the road or is it just starting? But, um, you know, I think that leads to some questions down the road for what future ownership of the Maple Leafs, the Raptors, the Argos, TFC could all end up looking like. Mm-hmm. And, um, You know, the other thing too is I think he's been a great owner for the teams. I, um, you know, I, you know, I think you know, I I, he really cares. I know he really wants to win. He's very passionate about the teams. Um, You know, he's basically saved the Argos. Um, You know, people kind of forget that here and there. I think it would be very different if he wasn't uh, part, a big part of this ownership group. So. I think this is potentially even more significant than we already know, and we're still trying to get a handle on it.
0: Okay, we'll see where this one goes. Um, what uh, what else should we be aware of as far as what the Board of Governors are discussing in New York today?
2: Well, you know, the, the Commissioner is going to meet with the media in about, uh, in around three hours, I think. So we'll get okay. uh, a better... Answer uh, out of that. Um, I think you know, like, like I said, I'm not expecting Ottawa to close today. Um, I I don't as uh, the fact that Ann Lauer isn't here and the fact that they're still kind of grinding away at it. But we'll see what he has to say. Um, you know, I was, you know, I, I think obviously we'll probably ask some questions about some other issues that we know we're still waiting for some closure on 2018 a real Junior investigation uh stan bowman and joel clenville are supposed to meet with the commissioner i'm assuming there's a lot of business being done here um you know i think we're all Mm. expecting any day now them to announce that the cap is only going up a million and no more than that so like those are the kinds of things you know we're and probably a lot of business items that uh you know that they don't usually
0: share with us um, before we get to the Calder Cup here, I want to park a little bit of time there to talk about Shane Wright specifically. But uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, announces they're welcoming some new members. And there seem to be two no-brainers through all of this. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist was one. Uh, Carolyn Willette was the other. They both get in, uh, as does Mike Vernon, Pierre Turgeon. Um, Tom Barrasso, goalie heavy this year. Um, yeah. Ken Hitchcock, uh, Pierre Lacroix as well. You have a thought on this class going in?
2: Well, I think every year now, because the the, the Hockey Hall of Fame, like it's very difficult to get a handle of who's really in conversation and who isn't. Um, there's always surprises. Yeah. Like I, the one I remember, Jeff, was the year was a, quite a while ago when Dick Duff went in. Um, like the thing is, if you follow baseball, you generally know who. Because the voting is so public and they print the ballots, you kind of and there were a lot of the reporters talk about who they're voting for. You kind of know who's in the running. And the football Hall of Fame, which is kind of similar to the hockey one in the way it's voted on, they announce nominees and then semifinalists and then they they pick a list of the finalists. So, you know, ours isn't like that. It's very secretive, um, so you never know like who it's going to be. Right. And, you know, the one I liked the most was probably Pierre Lacroix um, because I think he's very deserving. Like obviously Carolyn Willett, no issues here. Henrik Lundqvist, absolute slam dunk. I liked Lacroix. Yeah. Sometimes I wish we did this sooner. Like I remember Pat Burns, like, like like it happened after he passed away. Like I wish they would do these things sooner. Um, you know Eric Lacroix when he was ill if they wanted to put him in maybe they could have done it sooner Um, you know like do I have people who I think should be in absolutely I think every year there's there's snubs or people you can't figure out why they didn't get in more than others but generally around the 24 hours of the time that people get in I don't like to dump on it I think it's a it's a great honor for people to get in i'm sh- like you know tom Barras and mike vernon i'm betting they had no idea and from their reactions they had no idea, idea. so it's a yeah. it's a nice thing i that's the one thing that always kind of blows me away about it though jeff is that you know there's always people you look at and say oh wow like that person got in not cuz it's bad or anything but you didn't even realize they were kind of on the radar yeah.
0: All these goalies get in, yet Lauren Shabbat still, Elliot. And as someone well, once upon a know, time on the selection committee told me, go uh, ahead, I was going to say, some, someone on the selection committee told me once once upon a time, it's like, well, we'd, we'd love to have that discussion about Lauren Shabbat and Merrick, but no one's old enough to have seen him play. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I still like, you know, the, the strong historical oversight, because I'll be honest with you, I was like you, I was surprised when Dick Duff went in. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was shocking for a lot of people, but that was a case of, in someone's mind, historical oversight.
2: You, you know, the, what's the name of the gentleman who does a lot of the statistical Hall of Fame debates? Is it Padudy? Is that Paul Paduti. Paul
0: Paduti yeah, Paul Padudy out of Sudbury, yes.
2: So, 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 someone sent me his stuff yesterday, and the thing I I thought was really interesting. Is, you know who Mike Vernon going in increases the case for? Cujo. Well, Cujo, I think, should be in. Like, Cujo is, uh, yeah. uh, to me, that's, uh, that's like a no-brainer, he, and he should get in. Uh, it was uh, Kelly Rudy. Mm. Really strengthens Kelly's case.
0: Well, you know, it's funny, too, because that's one of the first things that I look at when the nominees come out, if this, then who? So who does Terjean open the door for? Who does, to your point, you know, Vernon open the door for? Who does Barrasso open the door for? You know, there was that, you know, the Pavel Bure came in, and statistically, did that open the door then for Eric Lindros? I'm I'm with you, Elliot. To me, the, the biggest... Curiosity about Hall of Fame when the names come out because I'm with you. I, I, I'm not not a big fan of the secrecy, but today's not the day to dump on it. I suppose um, I, I'm always curious about who it opens doors for. If this person, then that person. If you catch my drift.
2: Yes, I think that you always you always wonder about that. Um, you that's what I do too. Is is someone gets in. Who does that open it for? And the reason I was most curious about this one was because it helps Kelly's case, which I yeah. really like.
0: I love it. Yeah, I, I, I love that too. Three goalies going. So, regardless, Kelly's going to be happy. The goalies. Get. But you know what, though? This is just, just as an aside here that is the one area that we've pointed at for how many years now that has been completely underrepresented by the hall. Like I understand that there are more forwards and there are more defensemen. We we all understand that. But when you look at, you know, the actual numbers of, of goaltenders that have gone in the Hall of Fame compared to defensemen and forwards, it's incredibly slim and minuscule. I, I wonder if this is the Hall of Fame actually giving that nod that, yeah, you know what? We haven't given goaltenders their fair due. I mean we've been talking about this for years now.
2: Yes, 100 I, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, it sure comes across that way.
0: Uh, okay, Carolyn Roulette coming up at the bottom of the hour. Okay, so two things. One, I want to get your thoughts on Todd Nelson's immediate future here. He's won the Calder Cup twice—one with Grand Rapids and now with the Hershey Bears. Uh, thrilling Game Seven overtime victory. Mike Vecchioni with the, with the goal, a scramble in front, and he he tucks it in. Um, that was a that was a, a huge goal, obviously not just for Vecchioni, not just for the Hershey Bears, but for hockey history. That happens so seldom. A Game Seven championship game goes into to uh, goes into overtime, but what do you think that means now for Todd Nelson? Uh, you know the music is sort of getting softer. Everybody's grabbed a chair here. I want to get the Shane right in a second, but what do you think this means for Todd Nelson?
2: Well, I start to look at you know what what kind of uh, coaching openings would be left. I mean, there's one in Toronto um, yep. there's an AHL opening in Toronto, but I'm not sure that that's what he'd want to do. Um, You know, I think that uh, I I definitely think that that's one. I'm going to be very curious to see who ends up there because it's a prime assistant coaching position, right? Um, It's probably a good salary and it's a high-profile job. And if you believe in the rising tide floats all boats, there's definitely reward if Toronto does well. So, I'm curious to see if he's going to be in the mix on that one. Like, you know, we know it's not going to be Mitch Love because as you reported today, it's going to Washington. We know it's going to be not going to be Travis Green. I think they had interest in Travis Green. He's going to New Jersey. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, what's going to, if he's going to be on the radar there.
0: We shall see. Okay, one thing really quickly. I got about four minutes here to to do this. And I think I already know your answer to all of it. But just so our listeners know, and credit to Sean Shapiro from Elite Prospects for, for putting this out earlier on this week. There's a situation involving Shane Wright of the Seattle Kraken, or should we say Shane Wright of the Windsor Spitfires? And I couch it a very specific way for a reason. Now, this year the decision was... Um, for Shane Wright, he either had to play, this is by way of the NHL-CHL agreement, with the Seattle Kraken or the Kingston Frontenacs, who subsequently traded his rights uh, to the Windsor Spitfires. The way that it works is you can play in the American Hockey League if you've accrued four seasons of, uh, of junior hockey or you're 20 years old. Right. We've talked about the 19-year-old coming out a junior playing uh, in the NHL, or playing in the American League. There's not a cutout for that. There is for American players in division. Uh, there is for European players that are loaned to the CHL or European players in general. But by way of the CHL-NHL agreement, you can't do that. Now, there's one season. So Shane Wright played one year in Kingston, full season. Then there was the COVID break. The OHL didn't play. That's still being considered a season for Shane Wright's. Then Shane played one more year, that was his draft year, with the Kingston Frontenacs. And then this year into the Seattle Kraken and then played some with Coachella Valley, went to the World Juniors, they sent him back to Junior, to Kingston, uh, and then they traded him to the Windsor Spitfires. And this season, he played 24 games. And that's significant because the threshold for what is considered a season is 25. So, by technicality, and I know you hate this, Elliot, technically, by the letter of the CHL NHL agreement, if he doesn't play with Seattle next year, he has to go back to junior.
2: So, you're saying for one
0: single game.
2: So, you're saying they're giving him credit for the COVID year?
0: Correct. That's my belief. That is my, my belief okay. is that they're there because they didn't the, the Q played, the Western league played, the Ontario league didn't play, but they are giving him credit for that year. I believe. Okay. Cause
2: initially the way it was explained to me was he wasn't getting credit for the COVID year. So that was the first thing I was going to say. So if he's getting first of all, he shouldn't get credit for the COVID year, even though the OHL didn't play. That wasn't, that wasn't his fault. So I'm glad to hear that. That's not an issue. Um, the, the thing about this is, and look, you can do this and say, look, he's only one game over, under, the law is 25, sorry, or you can do something without prejudice um, or, whatever you, or you could cut out an exemption. Everybody here could say, look, this is a really unique case and we're giving him credit for the game but no other player can be affected by it. And the league can agree on it. The players association can agree on it. And the, uh, the CHL can agree on it. Um, Now I have to say, Jeff, I am not naive. I am aware that sometimes people look at the bigger picture and they say, we're not going to bend for one person because that's just not what we do. I I just think here, I hope common sense prevails. Sometimes I worry about Jerry Seinfeld's old saying, you know what the problem is with common sense? It's not that common. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I generally think that I hope common sense prevails here and that they find a way to say, look, if you don't make the Kraken next year, you don't have to come back to the OHL. It's not, it's not, there's no one that benefits aside from the Ontario Hockey League. It doesn't benefit the player. It doesn't benefit the NHL. Um, yeah. And I, I think you can say, look, this is a unique case. We're drawing a, a one-person carve-out in this particular situation. Yeah.
0: So granted, exceptional status twice: one to get into the OHL, and one to get out of it. Just- yeah, that's a good way of looking I'm at it. it. Oh, I never thought of that before. Go. It's kind of the. Kind of the way that I'll that I'll look at it here now, I guess. Uh, okay, great stuff. Uh, enjoy the rest of the afternoon at the uh, the Bog in New York City. Thanks as always for All right, take care. Elliot Friedman, 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, we have to hustle uh, a new member going into the Hockey Hall of Fame, one of several announced yesterday. Carolyn Willett uh, will stop by here in a couple of moments. Uh, do not forget, coming up in hour two, um, going to play some of the interview that Elliot and I did with Chuck Fletcher, ex GM of the Philadelphia Flyers and Minnesota Wild. Uh, he'll be our teammate next week in Nashville, working our draft coverage. Uh, also, Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey Now will talk to us about the decisions on the horizon. For the Bruins, some will be made for them. Does that include Krejci? Does that include Bergeron? Jimmy Murphy, the top of hour two. Carolyn Rolette coming up in moments, uh, 2023 Hockey Hall of Fame inductee. Keep it here. Merrick show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now.